0: Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez.
1: And I'm Stephen McNally, and we are your home for F1 racing this side of the pond. On today's show, we'll recap the Italian Grand Prix and uh, see which one of us had the right idea when it came to predictions and which one of us missed the mark.
0: And I wish I didn't miss the mark. Uh... I wish I had missed the mark, I should say, um, in one way, and I definitely missed the mark in another. But my reverse jinxes aren't working, Steve.
1: I don't know. I think, uh, I think we need
0: Jobu on this one. Yeah, we definitely need Jobu. So it was an interesting race, Steve. I, I, you know, for a race that essentially ended with the inevitable Max Verstappen victory and the 10 wins in a row and Red Bull dominance, I still found it to be an interesting and enjoyable race.
1: Right. I mean, did he lead every lap? No, which was good. Did he win by 30 seconds? No. Um, but was he really under threat to lose the race? That's negligible. I, I, I don't think it was, uh, anything less than a foregone conclusion. But certainly considering a dry track, no safety car, no, um, you, you know, uh, things thrown into the mix to make it interesting as just a straightforward race, a, a pretty good one. You know, plenty of battles and, you know, Max did have to actually try this time, couldn't just drive away. And I think the battles behind him were also pretty entertaining.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this was a an odd start anyway. I mean, only 19 cars made it out there to go around. Uh, We had to delay the start of the race because Yuki's car on the formation lap kind of died. Um, And then from there, uh, we just, you know, kind of saw some interesting tire strategy here. Um, Because of that, you know, uh, you have one less lap to go. You're trying to watch your gas, you know, should we do certain things? And that played out a little bit here. I mean, Ferrari, as you mentioned, uh, at least, made it look like someone else might win the race for the first 20 or so laps. Uh, but after that, it you know, it, it was a lot of Max and Sergio looking like they were the class of the field.
1: Right. Uh, obviously, Ferrari started out on pole with Carlos Sainz uh, and Ferrari at, at the peak of his hype on Saturday and, you know, ultimately he, he did end up finishing on the podium and Charles finished right behind him. But You know, where many other times this year we've seen Ferrari kind of be clowns in their strategy, and while they may have been dressed up like Ronald McDonald this weekend, I don't think the team themselves really made any miscalculations, but I do think their own battle between themselves for third and fourth cost them a chance to catch Sergio for second.
0: Definitely. Uh, you know, this is the thing. It, it seemed at some point during the, uh, throughout the race, Carlos looked really good. And then Charles would catch him. And Charles was like, look, his tires are gone. I'm better. Let me switch. And that wasn't wrong. But at the end of the race, um, you're worried that they're going to, you know, maybe come together. They're racing for podium uh, in their home race for the car. And it's, just interesting did any of them whether it would be Charles I think it would be Charles it would have to be at this point the end of the race and not Carlos have anything for Checo um you know that that was really to be seen but Carlos was doing some great defensive driving and was praying essentially that they would just l- say hey look last race la- last lap guys let's stop let's not let's not hurt ourselves here it is what it is you didn't get by him at this point we're not trying on the last lap
1: Right. So C- certainly didn't stop them from having, you know, a cu- couple of whacks at it there. And, you know, a- after the race, I think there was kind of, you know, mixed feelings there. Um, and now, e- even beyond Charles and Carlos, seems like there's a familial Twitter beef between <laughs> the signs and the Claires' as they, you know, subtweet and low key shade each other. Um, but, you know, I, I think for For the most part, uh you know, uh, Charles enjoyed the battle and and you know likes racing with Charles, and I think Carlos does also, you know, I did have them preseason as one of my predictions that we'd have a shocking moment of you know those two coming together, and
0: yeah you know,
1: i i'll I'll think I can claim this one. They did make contact and they avoided a much bigger catastrophe. A couple of times Charles, you know, locked up behind Carlos going into uh, you know, like an overtaking area in, in turns one and two and, and barely kept it together. Uh, and uh, Charles himself actually was a little bit naughty on his defense of Sergio uh, nearly pushed him off the track, which had shades of 2019 with him battling with Lewis
0: yeah there's a a little bit of uh, interesting driving going around and you know some people were complaining about this and that but you know it, it's interesting you know i felt in some instances that drivers were perfectly within reason and what they were doing and others where you just kind of like why why did you do that like like for instance lewis getting into it uh, with uh with oscar piastri and uh, just seemed to be an unnecessary thing. I know Lewis was trying to get up and go and was not trying to waste being stuck behind cars. And I think partially that's kind of from the season. He's had a few instances this year where he got stuck behind cars and it hurt his ability to climb through the field. And so he's been on it a little bit more to not waste his time and it makes him a little bit more. Petulant, Not petulant. It's not not a good word, but impatient, right? Certainly. Um, And I thought he was a tad impatient here. I I didn't think this was going to be multiple laps behind uh, Piastri. I thought he just needed to wait another lap. Ultimately, I don't know if it makes a difference. But when it comes down to it, Lewis drove fast enough where the five-second penalty that came out of it didn't hurt him. So that's one of those things, same thing with George, where you're like, why didn't George just give it back? Uh, I think to Ocon I think at that point um, uh, and you're like uh, well he was already down the road and by the time he would have given it back he would have lost more than 5 seconds and ultimately it didn't matter again because he was well on down the road, had enough distance between anybody um, and you know his closest competitor uh, behind him was Lewis who was nearly 20 seconds behind him with, so, his, own penalty. with, uh, with his own penalty so you know sometimes this is where i think i've talked about this with you steve in the past it's like the penalties don't matter sometimes if you know how to drive the race or take advantage of it you're like oh you knocked the guy out of the race or someone got an advantage and it cycled you back but like the penalty doesn't hurt the person who did it it's kind of like if you you race a little edgy you race a little dirty it benefits you
1: right it's uh nearly the situation where you know we talk about asking for permission versus asking for forgiveness. It's like, all right, well, you know what? I'll just take the advantage, and I can outdrive the five-second penalty. Um, You know, and, and with Lewis, it was he was on a, a different strategy to Oscar. He was obviously on the faster tire, and was it worth it to bide his time for I get what might have been a half lap because uh, it was going into the Ascaris uh, Ascaris chicane and that's the last overtaking spot until turn 1 on the other side of the lap so i think he's thinking if i don't do this lap if i don't do this pass now it's going to be you know 35 seconds before i get another overtaking opportunity i just need to get this done now but he had a lack of spatial awareness i think he still could have done the overtake had he had his car over 3 feet to the left so uh, ultimately ruined Oscar's race cuz clipped his wing had to pit and he ended up finishing 12 and then he picked up zone penalty afterwards there there was more penalties given out this rate this race than uh I've seen the dolphins offensive line pick up during the first half
0: and if you know anything about the dolphins especially last year um that, that's a lot the the thing for me is you know we saw this um come out this week was that lewis was dealing with a potential braking issue where had this race gone a few more laps he might have lost his brakes so that makes me wonder there spatially was he dealing with brakes and tires because he was complaining about his tires as well did he did he have something there that didn't quite come out during the race but came out post I'm, i'm not making excuses for lewis but and i hate to say that maybe that sounds like excuses on social media afterward. But if any of that is true, and we did hear him complaining about his tires quite vehemently, um, if any of that played into what was going on when he got into it with Oscar.
1: Well, you know, there's definitely a frustration in his voice, you know, for someone who came out of the summer break thinking, I'm going to end this season P2 in the standings, and you're going to see, you know, me be reinvigorated and, and attacking and everything and then for the last two or, or not the the last two races but the first two after the break uh, you know missing out in Q3 in the Netherlands and ultimately finishing sixth and um, you know here only qualifying eighth and finishing sixth and riding around essentially in that position without threatening even a podium Certainly, there's some frustration there, and then for what he thinks is a tire issue, the whole race where he, he's lacking grip, uh, you have to think he's driving with a little bit of the red mist in the eyes, and that could certainly lend itself into you know clipping Oscar. But it, it does bring up an interesting point because Yuki's retirement before the race, they ended up doing you know two additional laps at. You know, a, a safety car pace, if you will, and Mercedes is coming out and saying if the race was two laps longer, he would have had a brake failure and had to retire. So, very interesting to think if Yuki never had his issue, it would have been two more li- two more laps of hard braking on uh, Lewis's car. And you know, uh, remember twenty twenty? I think it was uh, S- Sebastian Vettel had a brake failure in turn one and just went through all the pylons down at the end and had to retire and You know, that could have been Lewis's year.
0: Right. And, you know, to your point originally, you know, Lewis comes out, you know, with a head of steam, hopefully out of the break, wanting to challenge for second, have a fantastic run to the end, have the best performance. And we've seen him ultimately have to salvage two weekends, which he's done um, as best he could, where his, you know, fellow driver, George, is sitting there looking at potential podium conversations. And, you know, you're – your engineers are talking about Lewis just trying to get the best drive he can get out today. That's not ideal. And he didn't seem to qualify spectacular, although not that far off. It was a tight qualifying uh, uh, from his uh, from George, who was, I think, what, four positions ahead of him. Um, so not too terrible. You know, it was tight. But still, where's the pace? And why is George out racing you, especially after you barely you didn't get out of Q three and the previous, um it's not the two races he wanted. Because he's Lewis and he's in a Mercedes, he's able to still salvage it and many people would kill for the day he had. But um it's not what Lewis wants, you know?
1: Yep, and I, I think what you know hurts him is the the two people in front of him he feels like he can, can catch both have, you know, second place podiums in the last two races. You know, Fernando finishing second last week and Sergio with a bounce back week this week, finishing second. Uh, you know, it wasn't another one of those like, Oh, he qualified poorly and needed to cut back through the field. Uh, You know, he didn't qualify great. You know, he finished uh, qualifying in, in P five that, you know, it's not spectacular, but like you said, it was a close qualifying, and ultimately didn't need too long to get up into the podium position. Uh, Had to get by Carlos, who was uh, defending very hard, but managed to do so, and comfortably finished second. You know, it was, aside from one kind of slip-up in in practice, uh, an uneventful week for him, bringing home the maximum points behind Max, which is, you know, the best-case scenario for him, uh, But, you know, post race, there has been, you know, once again, some additional chattering about him potentially keeping his options open for next year because he wants to be at a team that he can truly contribute. And this team is dominated by Max and Max's team, and where Christian Horner puts Max up in the pantheon of Formula One drivers. So, certainly a position where he's overshadowed and may look for greener pastures elsewhere. Uh, and kind of, kind of the same way that I think Valtteri Bottas felt towards the end of his Mercedes times. Like I'm never going to beat the driver. I'm never going to be put in the position to beat him. Um, I will be in a slower car for sure, but it might be better for my mental health.
0: Well, and you know, uh, well, helmet came out this week with some remarks that if I was Sergio, I would be like, what the hell? Uh, it feels like they're challenging his desire to win um maybe that's a little bit too much reading of it just he's in his 30s he's about to have his fourth kid like okay now you're talking about age and me wanting a family as a detriment to your team running the way it wants to I'm still the second driver on the grid what do you want me to do um and so that's one of those where it's like and he's complained enough he's like you know uh, not so much complain but he highlighted it seemed like a little bit of a complaint no one knows how hard it is to race for Red Bull you know, this is incredibly hard to race for Red Bull. Okay. Um, I'm sure Checo is incredibly grateful to be in the best car on the grid, have the opportunities he does, and, you know, man who was saved, essentially, from not having a, a, a drive. But does he want to keep doing this for them if they always look down on him because he didn't beat Max, even though they're going to prioritize Max?
1: Yeah, success is one thing, and thankless success is something else. You know, it's, um, I think, part, part of the big appeal of, of having a, a podium, a race win, a uh, a poll, like these achievements of Formula One is knowing that it's a team thing, and you can go back to your team and celebrate it together. And I think if, you know, One, if Sergio ends up on the podium, it's hardly ever the top step these days. So it's not like he's going back to the team as the winner and he's overshadowed by Max winning the race. And, you know, in some cases, if he does win, you know, particularly earlier this year or earlier at some points last year, the team looks as it as a missed opportunity where Max should have won, but Sergio won instead. Instead of like, all right, you know, we got a really good performance out of Sergio. I mean, that's how it is on the surface. I can't dare try to interpret what happens behind closed doors, but that's just the uh, the sense of the situation we get.
0: And I asked you during the race, what happens during this streak, which is ongoing and now historical, if Max is second, uh, Checo's having a great day. Um, th- he's racing or got pole and he's been in front and he has theoretically He should have the priority because he looks like he can win. And Max is in a strategy where if he doesn't try to race to win or they don't prioritize him, he won't. And it'll end his streak. Are they gonna prioritize Max over Checo with a better opportunity? Or are they gonna let the the drivers bear out based off of their performance that day? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, Steve.
1: Well, I mean, we did see last week a little bit of that, you know, sneaky undercut that they pulled in, you know, the Netherlands where it, it even caught Sergio by surprise. And it seemed like maybe even that whole half of the garage didn't expect it to happen. And they came out with a mealy mouth excuse of, uh, you know, if, if we had done it the other way around, we would have been looking at a 1-4 instead of a 1-2. Um, So I, don't, I, I think they would do it every opportunity and just kind of sacrifice Sergio's track position uh, to help Max.
0: And again, another point for whether or not Checo should look elsewhere as much as Red Bull should look elsewhere, right?
1: Well, let's talk Uh, about Red Bull looking elsewhere uh, because there was somebody else who had a pretty strong performance and might be a candidate to replace Sergio Perez.
0: Right, and And I found it interesting that the three rookies all finished in a row. Uh, But leading that pack was Liam Lawson. Uh, In his first full weekend in the AlphaTauri, filling in for an injured Danny Ricardo, uh, he went out there and damn near got points. And you only imagine if he can build on such, whether or not... uh, He's destined for points. Um, more The more opportunities in this Alfatari. he's going to Japan, uh, a place he's been racing all year, not too long from now. Um, uh, are we going to see a nice little four-race cup of coffee from Leon Lawson that starts to make the Red Bull folks reconsider how they're arranging their teams next year?
1: Yeah, and it wasn't even a you know, kind of war of attrition. Oh, I, I survived, and oh, look, I ended up at 11th. He made uh, some, you know, decent driving moves, too, in a car that's obviously unfamiliar for him for the amount of seat time he's had in it. Um, You know, he, he qualified 12th, so he has good one-lap pace in a car that's bottom half of the field, and, you know, even if he didn't have a spectacular start, he was able to claw some positions back with some pretty, you know, gutsy and impressive overtakes. So I think Liam Lawson had a, you know, pretty, pretty strong performance. And uh, it'll be interesting now once they flip over to the Asian side of the, you know, calendar, the next two races are certainly very demanding. Singapore is an extremely demanding track uh, considering, you know, a, a street course with very close walls the traffic gets tight, it's 100 degrees, it's at night, weather could change, it was a wet weather race last year, and then you got Japan, uh, which is a demanding track with changeable conditions also. Um, so, they are true tests of a driver's ability, and obviously the tests are or the situation might be so daunting that uh, they don't feel comfortable yet putting Daniel Ricciardo in the seat, so that's why It really seems like Liam's going to have at least two more races under his belt by the time they can consider bringing Danny back.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you look at all the rookies, uh, Steve. Oscar had an unfortunate day. I think he was much better than 12th. He got into it with Lewis. uh, And that was definitely more detrimental to him than to Lewis. Uh, I felt like he had a chance at points um definitely but he did a a a good job with uh what he had to do uh managed to get where he needed to it seemed like a three-stop strategy wasn't the most terrible thing if you executed it right on this track as well but um uh, logan also in 13th i felt a good day for him for the most part considering uh and uh you know can't complain. Uh, as far as that, you'd like to see a little bit more progress from them as the next the rest of the season comes on. You'd like to see them maybe have a chance at points, sneak into the points. But I uh, I was very impressed with the rookies this week. Um, they uh, they all performed better at this point in the season, which you'd like to see the rookies start to kind of you know figure things out.
1: Yeah, and it seemed like uh, you know Logan lost a little bit of pace at the end. Uh, certainly was hanging around that last points paying position for uh, quite a bit and you know the Mercedes as we saw in the performance of Alex Albon certainly uh, a viable point scoring car at a track like Monza um, so uh, speaking of Alex I think Alex played into our predictions uh, pre-race yes. uh, so we'll need to take a look to see how we did uh, I think we you know weren't weren't so far off the mark. I think kind of had an idea of of whose pace was really going to show. Uh but I'll go first and oh. with, with my my only point, I had us getting a new podium finisher. I threw out a couple of candidates and ultimately it was our poll sitter Carlos Sainz netting me one point. Uh my second prediction was Logan getting points pretty close to happening and just missed out on that. My third prediction was that Alex would qualify in the top three and he missed the top three places by just three tenths of a second. So again, achingly close to coming true, but just the one point for me.
0: Not terrible. Right. Um, I think for me, uh, the biggest one I was off on was Lando. And part of that is like picking before he qualified and, uh, some other things, but I thought he might have the pace, and I was trying to pick outside the box. Um, but I was correct on uh, Carlos making podium. Um, so Carlos both delivered our points for us this week, Steve. And I was right, of course, on Max because my reverse jinx hasn't worked. Um, but as you know, I picked Lando to win, so I, it was impossible for me to take full benefit of Max winning because. I'm doing it as a jinx and not to get free points.
1: <laughs> but points
0: nonetheless. There's still points nonetheless. Um, I, As we mentioned, and this might play out into our next predictions, uh, I think both you and I were sniffing around the Liam Lawson point uh, opportunity and what we thought he would do. And I, I feel like that might be out there, but I won't steal any thunder from you. Steve. I'll let you go first. So if you really want to go with the Liam Lawson pick next week, I'll let you have at it.
1: Well, we do have a, a little bit of a break because we are two weeks. Uh, I say next week race. that we're
0: racing. Sorry. Right. I, should, yeah. I should be more clear.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, Singapore is on the 17th, so we'll have a little bit of a, a break and then uh, it's back-to-back Singapore and Japan. Uh, as far as Liam points, I'll have to think about it. It's just, it is such a tough demanding track that it just eats drivers up uh you know even even the best have a hard time with it i I, i'm trying to remember back to last year Uh, i think sergio ended up winning last year uh you know was wet and i think even like max had his worst race of the year So, you have uh, 7th, 8th, nine. Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton. Um, You know, if Fernando Alonso didn't finish, uh, Yuki crashed out, Alex crashed out, Latifi crashed out, Guan Yu Zhou crashed out. George was two laps down, uh, because everyone had run-ins with the wall or slid off track into a... uh, You know, they drove down the cul-de-sac and had to make a six-point turn to get out of there. So
0: I don't know. Yeah, what what a weird race last year. Now that I'm remembering, it's uh, Ferraris did well on the podium. Uh, McLarens did well. Even Danny had a good race. Uh, Soul-sucking McLaren experience that he had. Uh, Lance got points. Uh, You know, very odd uh as i look at it but
1: danny's best race last year actually
0: yeah and so um but not as surprising i think danny does love those races to be honest if i'm not mistaken i think he likes those demanding races um and it's uh just interesting to see certain drivers who are having great seasons this year you're wondering if this will be a track that trips them up or is it just you know it'll align with the seasons that they're having
1: yep and you know certainly is going to uh weather going to be the big equalizer and uh you know wh- whether or not the conditions can you know what we don't want anything too bad where we're going to have to start under a safety car or have to end the race early or put anybody at extreme risk but uh hardly you walk out of there scathed from a weather perspective. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a a very early morning for us to catch it. But uh, we're, we're staying it's the worst,
0: up for. It's the, yeah, it's, the worst, it's the worst part about those those races on that side of the world is that it makes for very bleary-eyed Ryan and Steven.
1: Yeah, for me, I'm not going to do the, uh, the nap and wake up early. I'm just going to stay up
0: probably a good idea and good idea for us to probably end the uh cast at that point so for the this edition of the red white and blue flags f1 podcast i'm ryan vasquez
1: and i'm Steve mcnally and we'll catch you next time
0: across the line